My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. This week, we're doing some overdue listener questions. Let's kick it off with one that I think you'll enjoy. What are your thoughts on Meg Ryan Fall? I don't like to admit this, but I actually had no idea that Meg Ryan Fall had even become a thing until I had received this question. And after Googling everything, I quickly realized that yes, of course, Meg Ryan Fall is a thing, and here's what it is. And this is a quote that I pulled from an article about it. It says, inspired by the 90s rom-com queen herself, Meg Ryan Fall is best described as Nora Ephron novel meets Pinterest's dark academia. According to TikTok, the look incorporates the style of some of Ryan's most famous roles, including Kathleen Kelly's beige cardigans and noir A-line skirts from You've Got Mail and Sally Albright's chunky knits and houndstooth blazers from When Harry Met Sally. Or if you prefer Annie Reed's sleepless in Seattle look, the trend easily embraces the character's comfy gray sweats and white collared shirts. This all makes sense that this would become a thing. I mean, I think the 90s are really coming into vogue these days, and I think Meg Ryan kind of spearheaded pretty much the rom-com kind of revolution that happened in the 90s. And so, yeah, everyone's favorite rom-coms, they usually involve Meg Ryan. The New York and the fall scented candle that we did was inspired by Meg Ryan. My fall mentality year after year after year, even if I didn't realize until right now, well, Meg Ryan. Our next question. Rank your favorite fall soups. While this is the perfect place to insert that George Costanza, ooh, I'm shifting into soup mode tweet, uh, that tweet's been a little overdone this year, and so I'm not going to worry about that too much. But when it comes to ranking soups, I think I actually ranked like my top five or top ten last year on Sunday Scaries. But soups are kind of one of those things that just, they just evolve over time, and you just have a different palate every season. So this year... I might have some of the same soups as last year, but I'm going to start off with my number three choice, and that is any sort of chowder, really. I don't care if it's a seafood chowder, a clam chowder, or even a, a corn chowder with some, some kind of you know Latin flavor to it, but I do love a chowder, especially during the winter months when it's a heartier soup and something that actually feels like a meal instead of something that starts things off. My second soup would be one that I think is probably the most popular amongst everybody when it comes to this time of year. And that's just your classic chili. I'm not going to get on a high horse when it comes to how chili should be made. I don't care if there's beans in it. I don't care if there's what kind of meat is in it. I don't really care about anything. As long as I can put a bunch of shredded cheese, chopped onion, and jalapenos on top, I'm going to be a happy camper. But overall, there is one soup that reigns supreme when it comes to me looking for uh, just a real comfort food during these months. And that has to be a French onion soup with just a ton of bread and a ton of cheese. It was always my comfort food uh, when I was kind of in my 20s. And even now I I go back to those times and I just crave it. So French onion soup really has to be the number one choice for me in this scenario. Our next question, and this is kind of a retail therapy themed question, but I figured I could talk about it today and maybe bring it to retail therapy in the near future. It says, name a women's capsule wardrobe for fall. Go. And I will get out ahead of this. I am not the authority on this. But if I were dressing myself as a woman starring in a fall-themed romantic comedy, this is the direction that I'd take. Does it skew Meg Ryan fall? I'm not really sure, but it probably does. The first would be a good pair of jeans. Not skinny jeans. I think those are over. I think everyone's calling those chuggy now. But just a good pair of kind of loose-fitting, 
nice faded jeans. The next thing on top of that would just be an oversized fleece. You can pretty much wear this with anything. And underneath that oversized fleece would be a turtleneck sweater or just a turtleneck in general. I think turtlenecks are really only best worn during the fall season. And I think we all kind of get tired of them late in the winter time when we're all just craving wearing jeans and t-shirts again. But during the fall, there's no better staple item than just having a mock neck, turtleneck, or just a straight up turtleneck. Uh, and you can pair that with leggings, with that oversized fleece, with a good pair of jeans, pretty much anything. And then on the feet, I am going to skew a little trendy these days and go with some Birkenstock Bostons, in addition to just a fall classic of Blundstones. And then I think when you're going out and stepping out in public and maybe going out for the night, you need two different things. One would be a Western hat that just kind of ties everything together. And then finally, for me, and this is only for me, I'm not going to say that everyone needs this, so it might not be part of the capsule collection, but a kind of an oversized camel coat. I mean, when I look at that list, I know I'm probably missing some things, but overall, I think top to bottom, it looks pretty good. Our next question, what is best to pair with a waxed jacket? Last year on this podcast, I taught everyone how to re-wax their jacket, and I regret to inform that I have not done that myself this year, but I'm, I'm getting to it. Uh, truth be told, my, my jacket is actually pretty well waxed as it is right now. I actually busted it out today, and it looked pretty good for being a year a year into its last rewax. But when it comes to styling it, I don't really think there's that many ways that you can overthink it. Uh, they really do go with everything, whether it's, you know, no matter what color it is, they're usually all a pretty subdued color. I mean, I think Noah a few years ago made one that was a Merlot color, which was really the most kind of out there color that I've ever seen on a, on a wax jacket but they're really easy to pair with really anything. Uh, anytime I wear mine out, I get compliments and whether that's with a, a pair of slacks, uh, the honestly, one of the nicest compliments I ever got was when I was wearing it with a pair of joggers and someone complimented me outside of an outdoor voices store and said, wow, I really like how you styled your jacket with this. And sure, that was probably a salesperson just trying to get me to buy more outdoor voices, but it was a compliment that stuck with me for a very long time. And so you don't have to wear a wax jacket and think that you're going to go out and look like you're the queen in Balmoral or something. Just put it on with anything and I promise you, people will think that you look together and people will think that it's a good look overall for you. Our next question, what's your favorite sweater in your rotation? Tell me about it in too much detail. I kind of love this question just because I love sweaters. Uh, I think it was last episode where I talked about how much I love just a good cashmere sweater, and that is what mine is. My favorite sweater that I have in my rotation is a black cashmere sweater from Amelion Dor. I bought it, I think, four years ago, and I've really tried to take as good of care of it as I can because it's a nice sweater. It fits me very well, and I just kind of have a, an emotional connection with it. It hasn't pilled yet, but that's probably because I haven't worn it enough to, to allow that to happen. But when it does start pilling, I'm really not going to stop that from happening. Overall, it's a pretty straightforward sweater. There's no patterns on it. I fold over the cuffs because they're a little too long. And now that I've lost a little weight since I've actually purchased the sweater, I have to admit that it is a little oversized on me. But overall, I kind of like it. So yeah, it's pretty nondescript. It's pretty straightforward. But at the end of the day, it's a classic that will always be in my wardrobe. And when, when it gets uh, either lost, ruined, or something else happens to it, yes, I will probably replace it with something of the same quality just because I, I love it so much. Great question. So many times throughout the fall, you encounter the grocery store and realize that you have no idea what's going on when it comes to buying wine. For me, fall screams red wine, 
And that's really as far as my knowledge towards wine goes. So what do I do? I turn to First Leaf, a company that does all the work for you and sends you monthly boxes of the wine that you will love. If you like to unwind to this podcast with a nice glass of wine, First Leaf makes it simple to discover new wines that you'll love. They learn your taste and then they deliver quality wines right to your door. Forget driving to the wine shop, forget shopping by the label, and forget overspending on bottles you don't like. With First Leaf, you rate each wine you receive with a simple thumbs up or a thumbs down. Then their experts will send you personalized selections with new and exciting bottles in every box. In fact, First Leaf can recommend wines you'll love with a 96% accuracy. And as your tastes evolve, so will the wines that you receive. And if you're not completely satisfied with a bottle, First Leaf will credit you for another. That's wine made simple. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Gary's. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash Gary's to get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash Gary's. Now let's dive into some more questions. Our next one. What newspapers or magazines put out chill vibes? I've been much more into reading print lately. I kind of love this question because there's a very specific reason that I only get one newspaper a week and that is on Sunday. I get the Sunday edition of the New York Times and I really got it in the beginning because I wanted the magazine. I know you can read the magazine on the app, whether you're on your phone or your iPad, but there's something about having a magazine in front of me that just feels better than reading it on the iPad. And I can't really say the same for a newspaper since reading a newspaper is honestly a bigger hassle than it is anything. But, you know, when you have the newspaper chilling on your coffee table, I have to admit, the person who asked this question is right. It does put out some chill vibes. So when it comes to newspapers, you can't really have too much going on. The two that I get to my place, like I said, are the Sunday edition of the New York Times. And then I also get my hometown local newspaper, which is just printed once weekly. And so it's pretty straightforward. But I think when it comes to actually having a newspaper out, I think you have to have something a little local because otherwise you're just showing that you don't care about your immediate surroundings. That's not chill vibes. Uh, but when it comes to magazines, it becomes a lot more cut and dry of uh, what I think are kind of the, the best ones to just have out on display. The first is The New Yorker. I think I became, I definitely fell in love with The New Yorker when I was a, a child and my dad had The New Yorker comic books out everywhere. And by comic books, I just mean anthologies of the comics that they run in there, the cartoons. Uh, but The New Yorker magazine is just kind of a classic. They have beautiful covers uh, from different artists and it's just a really kind of worldly um, artsy and kind of well-developed magazine. So highly recommend it. Another one would just be the Paris Review. This is a magazine that's been around for a very long time. And overall, they just put out a really nice looking product that almost looks more like a book than it does a magazine. Uh, our next one is not as easy to acquire because you do have to go buy a newspaper for it, but it's the Wall Street Journal magazine. They have a lot on style, architecture, uh, any kind of anything in that realm. And it's it's one of the better feeling magazines. The The sheen of it is nice. And then just the touch of it, it feels very soft and, and almost silky in a way. Uh, and then from there, uh, there are two magazines that I really like, but I kind of find them to be a little interchangeable. Uh, and those are Dwell and Architectural Digest. I am more of an AD guy over Dwell. I'm not really sure why, but I just kind of feel like I don't look as much at Dwell over the past few years. But overall, you can't really go wrong with either of them. And I'm sure that your house guests will think, ooh, look at this person. They, they enjoy architecture. Uh, but finally, 
And this one, I don't know if it has the chill vibes, but it's just an absolute flex and that it's having departures out. And that's really because I think it's just American Express card owners that get that. I did not realize this, but uh, yeah, kind of a flex to just to have your departures magazine sitting out. Our next question, what are your top three fall romantic comedies? This is one of those questions that I'm sure that I've answered before, but I feel like my answer probably changes a lot. I think this time I got it exactly right though. The first one that I will start with should be a surprise to nobody. In fact, the second one should probably be the same. And that is because it, it is perpetually Meg Ryan fall in my household, whether it's right now or whether it's the middle of June. But the first one is You've Got Mail. It's probably one of my favorite movies of all time, but it's definitely my favorite romantic comedy of all time. And the fact that it's set in New York, in the fall. It's just perfect. And like I said earlier, the inspiration for a candle. Our next one is When Harry Met Sally. Again, there's just real, there's no real getting around it. It's perfect. I think a lot of people would have Sleepless in Seattle in that spot, but overall, I think that When Harry Met Sally is just a more entertaining movie to me. I relate more to the story and I just care more about the characters than I did in Sleepless in Seattle. But finally, I have a much more modern one and I don't even know if it would be considered a romantic comedy. But I think it is. I think it's a modern romantic comedy and I think it's a damn good one too. I'm talking about that awkward moment with Zac Efron, uh, Michael B. Jordan, and Miles Teller. It's got perfect screenshots for just any fall vibes and it's just kind of an entertaining movie. The premise of it is so unbelievably stupid, but if you're trying just to spend a weekend in New York with your boys hanging out, just watching that awkward moment is a good replacement. Our next question, what is your typical process? for buying clothes online. Are you a buy different sizes and send them back person or something else? Admittedly, I have two different methods that I employ. One is for impulse buying and the other one is for shopping directly for something. Let's start off with the impulse buying. This really happens when I get an email where I become afraid that something will sell out quickly. So it might be a pair of sneakers from Nike or anyone really at this point with how crazy sneakers have gotten or like an early access email to a company that I shop with. I don't get very many of those, but one of them that I do get, it's Ame Leon Dor, and I pretty much know that if I see something that I like and I don't buy it immediately from there, it's going to sell out. And so what I end up doing is I go through every single thing in one of those emails, whether it's one thing or whether it's a hundred things, and I add anything that I like to my cart. And then right before checking out, I sort through my cart and remove anything that's either out of my price range, something that I liked at the time and kind of soured on in the few minutes since, since uh, really. And what I do from there is that I remove anything too similar to something that I already own. And hopefully there's just one or two pieces left. And once that's done, I kind of just shut my eyes, put in my credit card and go. But overall, I try not to overthink it. I always try to go with a plan of action. But when I'm shopping for something specific, it's a much different process and it's a much more elongated process. What I do is I scour the internet for minutes, for days, for weeks, for months. It's terrible. And then I bookmark everything in a folder that is simply called buy in my browser. And that folder probably has hundreds upon hundreds of things in there, all of which I've forgotten about at this point. But, you know, my normal cadence is that I forget about it for about a month. And then I think, oh, yeah, I bookmarked that a while ago. And I return to it later only to see that it's sold out. It's pretty devastating. But uh, at the end of the day, what I really just try to do is I have staple companies that I trust and I will go to them first for products. And then I have 
you know, people that I will ask, mainly Barrett from Retail Therapy. Hey, got any recommendations for this one style item? And normally, I can usually get stuff done by them. For some reason, I never buy different sizes and send them back, despite that being a pretty good strategy for most people. If I send something back, it's solely because I don't like how it fits. Uh, but overall, I, I think I overthink so many purchases that it means my return rate is pretty low because it would really have to not fit a lot in order for me to just get rid of it. Our next question, how do I navigate that mid-20s period where some friends stop going out, but I still enjoy it? Everyone who likes going out will reach this point in their life. I reached it at a point in my life, uh, I think in my late 20s, maybe early 30s, and I think that I was a little later than most people in this. Uh, I, I lived in my hometown for so long that there wasn't really a big going out culture there. And so when I moved down to Austin at the age of 26 or 27, I kind of ramped up going out again. And, and <laughs> it, was a, it was a choice. I don't want to say it was a healthy choice. I think it was healthy for me becoming more social down here and meeting people. But I think it was an unhealthy choice when it came to just my overall mental well-being and my, my overall health based on how much I was drinking. I wasn't drinking too much necessarily, but it was just one of those things where it was like, you know what, you don't have to go all out every weekend. And so I started asking myself, do I enjoy going out or do I just have nothing better to do? And it was kind of an existential question in that way. And I hope I didn't just make anyone else have like some kind of existential crisis asking that question. But my answer ended up being a combination of both, which told me it was really time to transition into more stable lifestyle, both for my physical and emotional health. But the thing for me that helped the most was when my now wife stopped going out as much, it really kind of zapped me of wanting to do it. And so once I became more settled in, in getting in my routine that didn't have anything to do with going to bars and stuff, I, I did become a lot more calm and I felt like I was a lot happier. So I think, you know, you just have to do what makes you happy at the end of the day. I think that's a very canned, lame answer for me. But if you're still content doing it, then whatever. Let them sit at home doing nothing. Go out and enjoy yourself. Next, what are some little luxuries that come to mind that make your life easier or more enjoyable? This is a hard question to answer. This was definitely the hardest question of the week for me, and it was mainly because I couldn't really think of anything that was like the perfect small luxury. So instead, what I did was I came up with some stuff that I would consider to be kind of small luxuries, and we'll go from there. Uh, the first, I started with food. On Retail Therapy recently, Barrett and I talked about salt, and we were talking about Malden salt or Malden or however you say it. No idea, but I'm sure someone will reach out to me and tell me that I said it wrong. But it's one of those things where it's like, how much can salt actually make a difference on your food? And what I've learned is that it can make a big difference, and it's worth spending the however much money it is in order to have that on your table. Another one is that I overspend on American Spoon jellies and jams. American Spoon is a company from my hometown and they make just really good preserves and I like having those around and I think it's kind of a luxury because one, I could just go get Welch's if I really wanted to and two, it's one of those things that gives me enough nostalgia whenever I use it that I think about my hometown, I think about the company being successful there and all of it just kind of makes me happy. Then the other thing in the food front would be uh, good olives or cocktail onions for martinis. Uh, my dad made a joke one time that his blue cheese stuffed olives cost more than the vodka that he uses in his martinis. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's not a bad thing. But in terms of other little luxuries that might make my life easier, or more enjoyable, these were the things that I could come up with that I wouldn't say are total luxuries, but luxurious enough that they warrant something. The first is something that is probably the least luxurious out of all these, but I really can't live without it, and it makes my life easier and more enjoyable. And this is a styptic pen for nicks and cuts with my razor. 
If you've seen what I look like, I do have a full beard, so I don't shave too much, but I do have to clean up my neck area. And what happens is that I pretty much get a nick every time I do it. And a styptic pen, I don't know what it's made of. I don't know where these things came from, but I think they're from like the 50s. They just, they just, a little blot and you're just taken care of. I have to have one on me whenever I travel or whenever I'm just, you know, at my place. It is the most important thing in my DOP kit every single time. And I absolutely love them. Uh, the next thing would be a high-end deodorant that I wear. And I buy about one stick of this per year. It is a little overpriced. And it's a company that I've talked about before called Aqua de Parma. But I really fell in love with the company at an old job of mine. And I stand behind the company so much that I really don't feel bad spending money with them because I just believe in them. And the beautiful thing is that they had some very inexpensive Aqua de Parma products at the duty-free shop in Italy. And so I stocked up when I was there for about, I don't know, two-thirds of the price. It was perfect. But the deodorant that I use is great. And I really only use it for two reasons. Special occasions or date nights. And then after a good evening shower, when I kind of just feel a little bougie and luxurious, when I put on my robe and smell good, I will toss a little bit on. But the final thing that has really been the, the best little luxury that I've had over the last you know month or so is that I purchased a new journal. Last week, I did a segment on journaling and, and everything that that entails. And what I've done is I went to Shinola, a Detroit company, and I bought one of their journals. And it's the first time that I've ever had a hardcover, nice journal. But it's making me want to journal more. And I've really been doing it every weekday for the past three weeks or so. And I could not be happier about it. But before we end today, let's dive into some rapid fire questions that I just didn't want to leave alone. Our first one, how are your Sunday roasts going since being in London? I have to admit, they're not going well. Even though I wanted to have one every single Sunday after we were in London, we haven't had a single one yet despite me having those ambitions. Our next one, how many Dead & Company shows are you seeing in their final run next summer? Well, I haven't bought tickets yet because they go on sale tomorrow, or if you're listening to this podcast, they went on sale about four days ago. Uh, I don't know which shows I'm going to, but I will be going to two different shows. The first one that I'll be going to is in Dallas because it's so close to Austin that I have no excuse not to. And then I'm between two different cities for the other show, and it's between Chicago, which I assume will be at Wrigley Field, or San Francisco for the final nights of their run. I probably will skew San Francisco as it's been a minute since I've been there and I would love a reason to go to one of my favorite cities in the United States. So probably San Francisco it is. Our next one. What's the best non-alcoholic fall drink, both iced and hot? As much as I wanted to, I tried to come up with different answers for this, but I, I have one answer and one answer only because it can be served both iced and hot. And it's the chai latte from Deshoom. It's a UK restaurant. I've talked about it a million times before. You can just search Deshoom, D-I-S-H-O-O-M, and you can search for their chai latte online and that there's a recipe that will come up. It is so good. And like I said, it is good warm. It is good iced. I absolutely love it. And I think I might beg my wife to make it this weekend. Our next, what's your go-to fall playlist? I really have three sections of music that I gravitate to towards fall. The first is bluegrass, whether it's blue, Green Sky Bluegrass, Billy Strings, Allison Krauss, and Union Station, or if I just toss on a bluegrass radio station, I don't care. I just love the sound of bluegrass, and I will always associate it with fall and drinking something out of, I don't know, drinking something out of a, a jar around a fire. It just sounds nice. Another genre that I, I kind of gravitate to is just slower jazz. Uh, I do like some upbeat jazz and, and some fast-paced stuff, but 
When it's fall time, I like to listen to that late night kind of stuff. Kind of Blue by Miles Davis was something that I listened to uh, late Friday night. And it was just very relaxing, zen, and, and introspective. I just like it. And finally, this is going to make me sound a little basic, but it's just Taylor Swift. And I'm mainly talking about her most recent two albums, Folklore and Evermore. They are the perfect fall Taylor Swift albums. And even though they don't have, you know, the absolute bangers that you were accustomed to from 1989 or Reputation, they're perfect for autumn season. Our next question, what's the perfect temperature on a fall day? I think the ultimate sweet spot's between 56 and 60 degrees. Right? I don't know. But our final question, Friendsgiving, are you in or out? And what dish do you bring if you're going? Overall, historically, I don't love a Friendsgiving, but I'm in despite making fun of the idea behind your back, and I'm bringing a huge container of Popeye's gravy, which will end up being the most popular thing that anyone brought. Trust me. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter at Sunday Scaries and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Will DeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.